Welcome back, we're starting the second chapter, This chapter deals with the misvot of Bi'or Hametz, it's one of the eight misvot of Pesach, it's one of the affirmative misvot, and we are going to see exactly what that means. It's an affirmative precept from the Torah to lehashbit, and we are going to understand exactly what that means a little later, the Hamas before the time of prohibition begins, as it is said, on the first day, you will uh, eliminate, you will, you will do hashbata of the Seor, and we explained in the last chapter, Seor and Hamas are interchangeable in the Torah, mi from your homes or from your properties. Now, Rishon, Bayom Rishon, the first day, it is a little bit, it, it would sound like it's not what Rambam is explaining here in name of Hachamin. The Torah would be saying that we should do Ashbatat Hametz on the first day of Pesach. How come we understand Bayom Rishon otherwise? Rambam says Hachamin were the ones who interpreted this Yom Rishon to be the 14th day of Nisan, which is the day, the eve of Pesach. And how do we know that? What is the re'aya for this reading? How is this reading more plausible than saying that Rishon is the first day of actual Pesach? We read yesterday in Parashat Kitisa, and also in Parashat Mishpatim, you may not do Korban Pesach at the same time as there is Hametz. We explained that in the last chapter that that means that we cannot have Hamas during the time that is fit for Shechitat Korban Pesach, which is the, the latter half of daylight of the eve of Pesach, of the 14th. And therefore, if the Torah forbade already to have Hamas on the eve of Pesach, then Bayom HaRishon must mean the first day of the prohibition of Hamas, not the first day of the seven days of Pesach. And the first day of the prohibition of Hamas is actually the day preceding Pesach. <clears throat> As we just explained. Which literally means to eliminate, to, to cause for something to not exist anymore. This is something that's done internally. It's a thought process. And it's the intent is when a person in his mind, he understands or, uh, or um, concludes or decides that the Hametz that he has in his heart is deciding this, is mebutal, uh, is, uh, is worthless, and it's like the dust of the earth. What does this mean? So let me tell you what it doesn't mean. The Tosafot read this to mean this Gemara in Masechet Pesachim, that a person must do Hefker, which is a legal process by which you can legally abandon property. The legal term in English is to abandon. In other words, to give up your rights as an owner over a property so that someone else can come and assume those rights. Uh, that someone else could be yourself. Uh, that's Hefker. And this is why many people add in the formula of Kalhamira, Let the Hames become Batel, become nullified, 
and be have care like the dust of the earth following the opinion of Tosafot. Harambam has a different opinion. For him, it's not about have care or not have care. For him, it's about really deciding not to have any use of this Hames ever again. And one distinction between Tosafot and Harambam would be uh, if a person does this have care and then a second after Pesach wants to reacquire it, that should be fine. But uh, for Harambam, if a person was truly honest in his intent, then, you know, he decided irrevocably that this Hames is totally worthless to him, to him and he'll never ever have any benefit from it. He has to assume, he has to decide in his mind that he owns no Hames whatsoever. And that any Hames that he may own is like the dust of the earth. And as something that has no function whatsoever. It's not a fker, it's a little different. Now, something mid Rabbanan. So, this is a Mitzvah Midoraita. Mitzvah Midoraita is Lehashbit, which means to decide internally, to have that thought process deciding, I no longer will derive any benefit from any Hames that I may own. Halacha Gimal is about Bedikat Hames. Midibre Soferim, Lehapes Ahari Hames Machfootu Bahorim. There is a Mitzvah Mid Rabbanan to search after the Hames in any hiding places and in any holes in one's home and to, to find them and to remove them and to remove them from our property. In other words, Minatora is about ownership. It's about what function can I intend for this Hames. Midra Banan, that's not enough. I also have to take it away from my property. In other words, even if I have a piece of Hames on which I did bitul, which Minatara would have been fine, Hachamim said, no, you have to actually find it, you have an affirmative responsibility to find all that Hamed and to remove it from your property. And not only did they say that you have to, to, to get rid of the Hamed from your property, but they actually instituted the practice, this is the second thing Hachamim did, that we have to, on the eve of Pesach, the, the night before the Lela Seder, we have to, on that night, search for that Hames and, uh, and, and get rid of it, and to search for that Hames to the light of a candle, of a lamp. Why? Why do we do it at night? Why do we do it to the light of a lamp? So why at night? Because at night is when everyone is at home. So Hachami made an institution that they thought would be appropriate for most people's lifestyles. And and the light of a lamp is actually very conducive to searching in an effective way. And because of this reason, we do not have a Bet Midrash, we don't have a Shi'urim, or a, an actual Bet Midrash session on the night of the 13th, in other words, the eve before Pesach. And so too, someone who is a sage, why is this Hacham and not Amir Hacham? Some people, I heard Rabbi Sabato making this diuk, that a Talmid Hachamim may, but I think that's not a Peshat. Why a Hacham? 
because if it were Tamid Hachamim, he would be in the Bet Midrash. The Hacham is the only one who studies with himself only, and that's why the last statement and Kovai Midrash would not have included him. So the Hacham read Hilikot Gadzo, Shemeni Mashech Veyim Mana, Vibedika Bithilat Zemana, lest he gets uh, drawn too much into the learning, either in either case, and people are prevented from doing Bedikat Hametz on its appropriate time. This Bedikat Hametz may not be done to the light of, of the moon or to the light of the sun or to the light of Avuka. Avuka is something we learned in Lechot Shabbat for, uh, for, uh, for Abdallah. It's something that has a very large fire. Rather to a lamp, something with a mod modest flame. Where are we saying that we cannot use other forms of light for this? This is only with respect to small hiding places like holes and other corners. However, an open space like a balcony that is very well lit after having searched for it to the light of the sun, natural sunlight, that's enough. And also, uh, furthermore, the actual center of a balcony of a haser, of a courtyard, doesn't even need bedika because anything that may have been there uh, would have been visible to everyone passing by and we don't have any concern that Hamas may go unnoticed. The birds go to, to that area of the Haser. If anything had gone there, we rely on the birds to have gotten rid of it. If you have a hole that is on a wall between the property of one person and his friend, so this hole connects between them, who is responsible for searching this hole? So the responsibility really goes to the point of view of the person doing the bedika. And Adechanu Bodek, this is the, the rule in the Mishnah. By the way, it's a rule for, uh, as we're going to see, for Bedikat Hametz generally. You don't need to go crazy. Bedikat Hametz needs to only be done at Echan Sheyadomagat until where uh, your hand normally is able to reach. Why? Because the concern behind Bedikat Hametz is lest the person forgets its Pesach and in the middle of Pesach tries to reach into the Hametz and grab it. Which means that if it's beyond the reach, this concern doesn't apply. So if you have a large hole, let's say a large pipe connecting between two homes, each side should do bedika until their own reach. If there is any leftover, if, 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 it's, called, if it's longer than twice Yadoma God from each side, then you rely on the hard bitul that we discussed in Halacha Gimal. And any place to which one does not purposely put Hametz inside, for example, uh, coat closets, for example, uh, the, the, many people's uh, garage uh, in, in their homes, 
And there is many areas to which, you know, you have a rule with your children. There is no food in here or something like that. So all of those places, they don't need a bedika at all. It's not that you need to check every single corner of every single place of your house. No, we only check the places that commonly uh, you put hametz in, inside there. And the idea is not to find hametz that rolled from your hands and fell in a special corner, but rather the idea is to find hametz that you may have hidden on purpose to save for, for whatever, and then you forgot about it. And then on Pesach, you will remember, oh, I left that very delicious cookie in, in, in that cabinet. Let me go and grab it. That is a concern, and you have to keep this in mind. Just to point out, there is another Gisain Harambam that adds, that Hachamim uh, did not require a person to check a, a common area, a common hole that is shared with a goy, because this may cause the goy to think that uh, the Jew is doing some keshafim, which may be either uncomfortable or dangerous, and Hachamim did not include it in the tekana. Halachavav. So we're going to list now things that are examples of places where one doesn't commonly, typically bring Hamas inside. These were all defined by Hachamim. So one is holes inside the house, not the Haser, as we mentioned before, but the Bait. The Horim in the Bait, which are not where people normally store things because they're filled with rodents normally. So whether they are low or high, Gag Hayasiya is, uh, is, is, is the roof of, a, of, of something that you have next to your house uh, to store things. Refet Bakar is a, a place where, where the, the cattle live. Lulin is where the chicken live. Umatben is where you store the... The food for for the cows, the osrot yain, osrot yain are um, uh, as a mishnah, the second mishnah in masechet, uh, the first mishnah in masechet pesachim uh, discusses. It's where you store where you store wine, but you store wine not to drink from there. Osrot yain is where you store wine just to age it. It's important. The osrot shemen she'enomista pekmehen also uh, storehouses of oil from which a person does not draw normally Ubet dagim gedolim also a pool of to grow fish but this is large fish large fish that you know only in in uh, that, that, that they would eat any any kind of of hummus that goes in there Sorry, the reason why Dagim Gedolim, as opposed to Dagim Ketanim, is because Dagim Gedolim, when you when you take from them, by the way, Bet Dagim Gedolim is not a pool of live fish, it's rather a, a place uh, with a lot of salt, where you actually uh, leave, it's like a fridge of uh, fish, but without fridge, it wasn't cold, it was just filled with salt, so it's a place of making very large uh, salted fish, and uh, you'd only take whatever you need, whenever you need. So it's not some something somewhere that you go and frequent very often, which is why the concern of bringing Hametz inside is less common. 
אלא אם כן, אינם צריכים בדיקה, so none of these places needs בדיקה, אלא אם כן הכניס להם חמץ, unless I know that I brought חמץ into these places, אבל אוסרות שיכר ואוסרות יין שמסתפק בהן, however, store houses of שיכר, שיכר is less expensive than wine, and therefore I go there more often, not only for special occasions, אוסרות יין שמסתפק בהן, or wineries, or I'm forgetting the name of where you store the wine, from which you do take very often, Ubet HaMelach, the place where you store salt. Salt was a very precious commodity back in the day. They had a special place to store salt, and you'd go there and you, you grab salt whenever you needed. Ubet HaShahavai, a place where you store uh, wax of some kind to make uh, candles. Ubet Dagim Ketanim, or a place where you store little fish, also you go more often. Ubet HaAsim, a place where you store uh, wood for combustion, for fireplaces. Ubet HaMuryas, a place where you make all kinds of dips for the bread. Also the holes in the house that are not low nor high, but are at, at the height of your reach. And everything of this sort, to which a person frequents pretty often, especially in the middle of one's meal. So this example of places need bedika because we assume that a person normally would bring hames into them. But, again, if a person knows for a fact I never brought Hametz into there, they do not need Bedika. So there, these are only presumptions Hachamim gave, uh, but overridden by one's definite, definitive knowledge of whether Hametz was brought there or not. And when a person checks, the Martef is uh, the bodega uh, in Spanish, it's the place where you store the wine, Uh, the, the wine cellar in, in one's house. So what do you have to check in the wine cellar? The wine cellar used to be a, a room filled with haviot. Haviot are normally translated as barrels, but they are not barrels. This is not how they used to make wine back in the day. They used to make it in, in uh, mud work, in things made of, uh, of mud, of uh, clay, so clayware of some sort. So, and they were set up in rows one on top of, of another. Um, so which kind of rows or until where is your concern of uh, Hames? Or another way to put it, how do you apply Adekhan Shiyadom Agat to a Martev? Explicit in the Mishnah, first Mishnah Vasechet Pesachim. Bodek mimennu shetesh rota chisonot, shehen ha'aliona v'shelematta mimennam. So you have to check the two outermost lines of Haviyot, which is The, the outermost one and the one behind it or under it. So it's the ones that are closest to uh, the exit and also the highest at the same time. That's Achisonot and Elyonash Lematan Mena. Halachazain, En Hoshashin, very important halacha also, En Hoshashin Shemegreda Hulda Hames Limakom Shemachlesimbo Hames. We don't impose a concern or a suspicion that a place that doesn't have Hames may have gotten Hames in there by some kind of a road and dragging Hames into their shame. Because if our concern was from one room to another, then why, why stop there? Why not also concern ourselves with perhaps this city that never had Hames in there? Maybe a Hulda came from another city and brought it. And Hachamim did not want to start a slippery slope where there is no end to our concerns. 
بدك للاربعة صار بهنيح اسر حلوت وما ستش شهر زي حوشش however if we have a reason to suspect then that's different so if I did بديكاس حمس the night of the 14th and I left 10 pieces of حمس and then I find in the morning that I only have 9 so you know evidently someone removed one of the 10 and maybe placed it somewhere else بصريخ لفدوك بعم شنية عشي هاري قاري راحو الدو اخبار بفداي and then I have to check the whole house once again because that 10th one must have ended up somewhere else and we have proof, we have evidence that this was indeed the case we left 10 and found 9 على خاحت وخن امرأة اخبار شنية خنس لبايد بحمس بفيب احر بذيكاسة دي خفدوك بعم شنية also if I saw visually a mouse or any other rodent that came to a house and then came out with حمس אבל פי שמסה פירורים באמצע הבית, אין אומרים כבר אכלו את ההפת במקום זה, והרי הפירורים אלה חוששים שמי ניחה בחור או בחלון, ואלו הפירורים שם היו, ולפיכך חוזר ובודק. Even if I find later some traces, some like crumbs somewhere else, that's not enough to remove the concern. I can't say, I can't assume, oh, the mouse must have eaten the hamets right here, and these are the leftover crumbs. I still have the concern that the mouse may have taken it to a hole somewhere else inside the house. If he didn't So a person should check until one of two things happen, until he either finishes checking the whole house once again, or he finds that particular piece that was missing or that he saw in the mouth in the mouth of the, in the mouth of the mouse. Halachatet. Now there is a difference between, this is a trivia question, there is a difference between mice and children. What is the difference between mice and children? This is one of the only differences between mice and children. What happens if you see a child that comes inside a place that was already done bedika on, and he's bringing inside a piece of bread. And then the father or the mother goes after this child, and now they find crumbs, and they don't find that piece of bread. Unlike the mouse, where we suspect that the mouse stores for a rainy day, uh, children don't do that, they eat whatever they put their hands on, and the presumption is that the child has indeed eaten that piece. These crumbs, we assume that they are from his eating. Why do we take these crumbs as evidence of the child having eaten and not the mouse? Second difference between children and mice. Because when children eat, they leave crumbs. Anyone who has little children knows that. However, a mouse, when a mouse eats, they eat until the very last crumb. They don't leave anything behind. Which is why the crumbs that we found in the last halakha were not very helpful. Because if a mouse had indeed eaten, it wouldn't have left any crumbs. However, with the child also, not only are the Perurim, sufficient evidence, these crumbs are sufficient evidence, but they are necessary evidence, and if I don't find any crumbs, then maybe the child did store it somewhere, and we have to do bedikai again. Halachayot. Hiniach tish'ash tziburin shel lemasa ve'hach lehames, 
הוא בא עכבר ונטל ולא ידענו אם חמש עם מסע נטל ונכנס לבית בדוק צריך לבדוק שכל הקבורה כמחיסה על מחיסה We've studied this הלכה before We have a rule, a presumption that whenever we have two groups that are established they are firmly part of the fact pattern to begin with they are stationary, they are part of the scenario one represents elements of A and the second one represents elements of B It doesn't matter how much there is of A and how much there is of B. And then someone comes and takes something from one of the two, and we don't know from which. So because both of these groups were part of the scenario, they were part of the fact pattern, they were established, that's called a kavua, we don't take into account their, relative, their quantity relative to one another, but rather we assume mathematically That they have an equal quantity and therefore anything coming from one of these two groups we don't know where it came from that is the principle so if i left nine pieces of masa in one of hamas they are all set up they are part of the scenario and then the 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 rodent i see the rodent coming out with something in its mouth and i don't know if this was masa or hamas And then the rodent takes this piece and brings it to a different house. This is equivalent to having had just one piece of masa and just one piece of hamas and the rodent taking one of the two. Which means that we have to assume, we have to be concerned that perhaps this was the hamas part. And therefore we have to do bedika again. Because everything that is kavua, it's as if it were half and half. Some aharonim have uh, pilpulistic debates on how can this be, given that this is the Rabbanan and this is a Safek the Rabbanan should be Lekula. Very simple answer. The, the rule of Safekot, Safek the Rabbanan Lekula, is when Chachamim themselves did not come and resolve it. But when Chachamim in the Gemara come and resolve this Safek one way or the other, and they tell you in this case of Safek, this is what you have to do, this is what we have to do. Chachamim are not bound to the rule of Safekat the Rabbanan Lekula. We are bound to that rule with whatever was left by Hachamim to us. So that's a very simple answer to a very populistic question. Halakha Yod Aleph. Shana Siburim. By the way, Sibur, what we use for Shaliyah Sibur, etc., to signify the people in the Bet Knesset, it's the same exact word. Shana Siburim, two groups of, of, uh, of something. אחד חמס ואחד מסע, one of חמס ו-one of מסע. הוא שני בתים, אחד בדוק ואחד שאינו בדוק. Two rooms, one with פדיקה, one without פדיקה. ובאו שני עכברים, זה נטל חמס וזה נטל מסע, ואין ידוע לאיזה בית נכנס לשנת על החמס. וכן שני בתים בדוק, בדוקים וסיבור אחד חמס, ובא עכבר ונטל, ואין ידוע לאיזה בית, לאיזה בית נכנס, או שידוע שנכנס לאחד מהם ונכנס אחריו ובדק ולא מסע כלום. או שבדק ומסע כיכר, וכל אלו, אינו צריך לבדוק פעם שנייה שאין כאן קבוע. So this again is a variation of the first fact pattern in a way that calls into question this presumption that we had of there being a קבוע, there being a settled fact pattern that we have to assume is equal to both sides. So we do have, we do start with two mounds, one of them is pieces of חמץ, one of them is pieces of מסה, but it's a little bit, and we have also two houses, two rooms, one is Baduk, one is not Baduk. And then we have two mice. One takes a Hames, 
one takes a massa, and then we don't know where each of them went. So what's sig what's significant here is not the two siburin, which were kavua. What's significant here is the two mice that are mobile. They are not kavua. They are not part of the settled fact pattern. And therefore, we don't have kola kavua here. Or similar also variation, we have two houses that are bedukim. I did bedika to them. And then um, I only have one mountain of Hames, and there was only one mouse coming, and I don't know to which house he went. So what's fixed here is the mount of Hames. What's not fixed here is the mouse. The variant here is the mouse. And therefore, we no longer have this rule of This is a simple, <coughs> a simple uh, safek. And uh, we go back to the to the um, to the rules of sefekot of regular sefekot, in which we do not have to suspect because, as Hachamim said, in the particular case of Hamas, they did not want us to concern ourselves overly with what the mouse may have done. Um, or a third example, I do know that the mouse took Hametz, and I do know that he went to a particular house, and then I came behind the mouse, and I did Betika and didn't find anything, or I found one thing, I don't know if this is what the mouse brought or not. So all of these fall within that exception Hachamim gave, and they are not taken out from this exception by the rule of because as we explained, the variant here is a mobile mouse, which is not fixed. So the fact pattern, again, dealing with Sefekot is the following. I leave Hames in one corner and find it somewhere else, or I leave nine pieces and find ten, that's different than leaving ten and finding nine, or I had nine of Masa and one of Hames, and one of them comes one of them gets separated from that group and I don't know which one it was. And then a mouse comes and takes that one that got separated and takes it somewhere else. So, so again, it's not Kavua anymore. This is uh, called Parish Meruba Parish. It's a different rule. Or a, a mouse came and took Hames and the safek is whether he went into a house or not. In all of these cases, we do need to do bedika. Let's say a rodent came into a house with a piece of bread in its mouth. And then another rodent, I see another rodent coming out with a piece of bread inside. We assume that the one that came in is the same one that came out, although it could have been different, and I do not need Bedika. However, if a black one goes in and a white one comes out, a rodent, so I know it's not the same rodent, I don't know if it's the same piece of bread, but it's enough 
to inject more uncertainty and to require bedika again. נכנס עכבר בפיו ויסד משם חודה וחיכר בפי הסדיך לבדוק. יסד ועכבר וחיכר בפי האין הסדיך לבדוק. שזה הכיכר הוא שהיה בפי העכבר. If a, a small rodent like a mouse comes inside with a piece of bread and, and then a large rodent like a חולדה, the חולדה is uh, something larger than a rat, it's not clear exactly what a חולדה used to be, but it's definitely something larger than, than a mouse, um, possibly larger than a rat, is one of those very large rats that they used to have back in the day. And uh, you'll see why this is significant. So if I see a big rodent coming out with the bread, although I could assume the big rodent killed the small rodent and, took, and stole the bread from it, I don't assume that. However, if the big rodent is coming out with the little mouse inside its mouth, and inside the little mouse there is a little piece of bread, then obviously this is the same mouse that came in and the big rodent just captured it. If a snake takes a little piece of bread and goes inside its hole, I am not obligated, Hachamim did not go as far as to obligate me to bring a professional. Habar is someone who enchants snakes, uh, who was a professional um, wildlife control expert, and uh, I'm not obligated to bring such a person which is both expensive and also unnecessary because think about it the whole concern is maybe i'll go and grab the hamets during pesach if i see a nahash taking this hamets uh, this changes the the equation a little bit because i'm not going to risk myself to take something from a nahash so it's not obligated to to remove that hamets hamets of about an amount of an olive that is on the top of one of the beams of the house holding the roof, one must, one is required to bring a ladder, climb and bring it down because sometimes this hames can fall during Pesach and tempt me to grab it from the floor, not from the Korah itself, but from the floor. However, if the hames was not high but low, it was inside a well, deep inside a well, this is also very difficult to go down and bring it, so there is no obligation to go down and retrieve it. Rather, one should rely on the bitul that's done in one's heart. This is a pot, some kind of a receptacle that is large enough that if I turn it over, it's a basket, if I turn it over, I can sit on it. So it was, it used to be used for making seor, as we explained in the last chapter, seor is sourdough, a sourdough start, starter, that's what it's called. You leave dough outside until it becomes very sour, then it gets, it cultivates inside it yeast and bacteria, and then you add this culture to the dough to start the dough and to make it rise faster, as the bacteria and yeast will multiply within this new dough as well. So the seor, the kippat seor is where you prepare that seor. Obviously, it has a lot of hames in it, but I'm not using it for seor right now. I'm using it for sitting down. I turn it over and I'm sitting down on it. If there was something done to this utensil to change its function, for example, I glued it to the floor with teeth 
with uh, clay. So, so now it's stationary, it's not even moving. In other words, I, I made something very clear. So although it has traces of Seor inside it, and Seor, by the way, doesn't go bad. Why does it not go bad? Because the more you leave it, the more it's going to be helpful, the more it's going to be a good starter for the dough. But that's, that's enough to signify my bitul of the Seor in it, and I'm permitted to keep it on Pesach. Uh, Areva is a place where I mix the ingredients for the dough, so if I have a, a little bit of dough that is in the, in, in the grooves of this container of Areva, if there is enough as the size of an olive in one single place of dough, I have to go after it and retrieve it, and destroy it. If its function right now, currently, in this areva, is to is to uh, just for for its for its own adhesion, and so the areva itself becomes more solid, because as you can imagine, the batsek uh, can have a positive effect on the structure of the areva then that's fine. I, I may keep this on Pesach. Of course, I'm not going to use the Areva on Pesach, but I'm, I'm allowed to keep it because there's no Kazait in one spot. If there is Kazait in one spot, I need to do Now, what does it mean, Hames in one spot? What if I have half a Zait in one spot and half a zayt in another spot and then a little string connects between them so let's see how strong that string is if i were to remove one half zayt and try to pull the other half zayt by this string would it come out together if it does then this is one spot if it's not it's not one spot and therefore no need for piyor I want to correct myself. I said, um, no, I don't want to correct myself. This was correct. Let me just understand why. So there is, a, let me just explain to you what, what's going on here. There is a contrast between Areva, which we explained as a large container in which you mix the ingredients for the, for the dough, that's correct, that's what Areva is. Now, the other the other example is what if it's in a room? So if inside the room, I have Hames of various sizes in various places. So let's say I was doing, I, I take, a, take a kitchen and there is traces of dough from having uh, made masot or bread or anything alongside, along the floor or by the wall. What do I do with them? So the same principle of Zaid b'makom had applies, however, with one difference from the Areva. In the house, as opposed to the Areva, where we said pieces that are smaller than Zaid only are seen as one piece if whatever connects them is strong enough to hold them together, this is not the same in house. Even if that connection 
is not strong enough to hold them together, I still need to be Mebaer. The house is more is more Hamur. Why? Because it's common for people to go after they they do, they need the dough and uh, and grab whatever pieces of pasek that they find, even if pieces are lesser than kazait and even if their connectedness is not strong enough. Now what happens with dough that is glued again on a floor or on a wall and I have less than a zayit in one room and less than a zayit in another room or outside the house or another floor and so on and so forth. So given that these are glued on the floor, they are not laying around, then this is also a factor to make it less likely I'm going to take them. And if each of them is less than kazait, I don't need to do bi'ur with them and the bitul on the heart is sufficient. The bitul in the heart. Now we have some rules about uh, tenant and landlord law. If someone rents a house on the 14th of Nisan, so the lease begins the 14th of Nisan, then the renter, the tenant, doesn't even need to ask. He can, is entitled to assume that the person renting, that the landlord did did before renting it out. And if the person who is renting out the house doesn't have a hazakaf, let's say he's not shomer pesach, he doesn't he doesn't keep pesach, or is is a goy, or or whatever, and uh, or he says I did not do bedika, but any woman or child who normally are not uh, reliable witnesses for other circumstances, if they say because also we have only one witness, one witness is never reliable. If they say we have done bedika chames. This is enough. Because every single individual, regardless of age or fitness for for uh, testimony or number, everyone is reliable and uh, and uh, believed that they have done biur hames or bedika. Even those groups of people that normally are not reliable witnesses for other cases. But with respect to minors, we do require a certain mental capacity. He needs to be old enough, or she needs to be old enough, that they can do a bedika, they can understand what it means to search after hametz and, and, and find it. So we established a rule in Aracha Yodzain that if someone if someone's lease begins the 14th, he can assume that the bite was Baduk. But what does it mean for the lease to begin? So what's determinative is when the keys are handed over. So if the keys are handed over on the four, before the 14th, then there is no Hadaka. If they were after the 14th has begun, then uh, there is hazaka, and if there is no hazaka, this also establishes who is responsible for the bedikat hames. So if I'm renting a house out and I'm handing out the keys 
on the 13th of Nisan, I don't need to do Bidikat Hames. Obviously, the Hames is not mine. The responsibility is on the tenant. If, however, I'm the landlord and the, the lease will begin, I'm going to hand over the keys after the 14th has begun. I am responsible to do Bidikat Hames of this house, even though I'm not the one who's going to be living there during Pesach. This is a separate question. It's a question of who is responsible for fulfilling the Tekana of Hachamim. It's not the question of who is more likely to come and eat the Hames during Pesach. המזכיר בית בחזקת שהוא בדוק ונמצא שאינו בדוק, על הסוחר לבדוק, ואינו מקח טעות, ואפילו במקום שבודקים בשכר שהרי מסווה הוא עושה. If someone rents a house, assuming or under the assumption that it is בדוק, that someone did בדיקת חמאס, and it turns out nobody did בדיקת חמאס, then this doesn't exempt the person from the תקנה, the תקנה is sprung over again, it springs again, to existence and the person who rented the house, although he would have relied on the presumption, now that the presumption is destroyed, he needs to do Betichat Hames. And in terms of monetary laws, in terms of uh, of tenant-landlord law, this is not Nekahtaut, the, the whole lease will not be invalidated just because the landlord failed to do Betichat Hames. Even in places where it's common for hiring someone to do Bedikat Hames, this is not, uh, sometimes some misvot, some requirements of halacha, hachamim, inject them as an assumption of a transaction with financial consequences. Not the case here. If someone did not do Bedikat Hames and rented a house like that, although he should have done it, this has no bearing on the financial, on the economic agreement between the two parties. Because it's a mitzvah. If someone is traveling uh, on, by, by sea or, or in, on a caravan, land, they didn't have air back then. If he's doing so after Purim, in other words, 30 days, within 30 days from Pesach, he must do Bedika before he leaves. This is very relevant for anyone spending Pesach not in their own house. If they are leaving within 30 days of Pesach, they should not think that by selling the Hames, which we are going to discuss later, is uh, not something uh, I can honestly recommend based on Harambam or based on anyone else, frankly, uh, or the Bitul. None of those things would be enough and the Tekana would still apply. Uh, people living in dorms, in schools, they should do Bedikat Hames before leaving, so long as this is less than a month before Pesach. If they are leaving that place 30 months or more than 30 months before Pesach, if they are intending to return before Pesach, then they have to do Bedikat before leaving more than 30 days before. Because it's possible that when they return, there is not going to be enough time to do Bedikat Hamas. If the intention is not to come back before Pesach, then given that they left more than 30 days before Pesach, they don't need the Bedikat Hamas, the Tekana does not apply. So too, someone who converts his house to a storage house. He's not living there anymore. He's just leaving his old furniture inside there. 
תוך 30 יום, if he's doing so, if he's doing that conversion within 30 days before Pesach, זקוק לבדוק, he must do בדיקת חמאס, ואחר כך כונס עושה לו את הכהן, only afterwards he should bring the things that he wants to store into the house. קודם 30 יום, if it's before, 30, more than 30 days before, אם דעתו לפנותו קודם הפסח, צריך לבדוק את הסיים סיטואציה שלו, אז חזרנו לבית, אם האידאה היא עוד פעם להתחיל את הבית הזה לבית לפני פסח, הוא מסתכל בדיקה לפני ואחר כך עושה הוא עוצר, ואם אין דעתו לפנותו קודם הפסח, אם האינטנציה היא לא, כמובן, empty the house and make it livable again before Pesach, and also Lichivdok, he needs not do B'dikat Hames. With this, we finish the second chapter of Ilchot Hames Umasa. It was a slightly longer chapter, one of the longest in this series, which are not very long chapters. So we'll do B'azat Hashem Perek Shelishi this evening, today on Sunday.